0: And we are live. What's going on, guys? So I know that uh, it's a little bit different tonight. Uh, You see a different title, uh, and also I'm by myself. So we had a last minute issue come up where uh, JD got a stomach bug, and he's not going to make it tonight. Uh, But he mentioned he wanted to do Galatians still, right? So he'll be back Wednesday, obviously. And because I know he wants, like, I mean, remember when we started Galatians? How excited he was? He was like, "Oh, that's my, that's the book. That's the one I love. I've studied it the most. I feel like it would be wrong." to just go ahead and continue and knock out Galatians without him. Um, So when he said that he's not going to be here immediately, I said, you know what? Uh, We could do a Bible reading somewhere else. Uh, So Colossians is where I believe will be a great place for us to go. I think Colossians hits a lot of the things that we've discussed specifically on this podcast. It's not a long letter. And um, by myself, I might be able to pop through it. I think it's four or five chapters. Um, So guys, I appreciate you tuning in. For the people on TikTok, as always, uh, you, can tune, you can watch it on TikTok, but you can't comment, you can't see what we're putting on the screen, so you don't get to really participate. If you want to get the full-on uh, experience, you can come over to YouTube, but if you stay on TikTok, that is fine. Um, but what's going on everybody? I see there's a couple people, uh, hanging out with us. Y'all got to help me get today's episode moving. Cause without JD, it's just me by myself. I mean, obviously I can, I can do it. I've done it before. It's just, uh, I do miss him. So we're going to start with a prayer like we always do. And let's pray for him to just be doing better and feeling better. Um, and then we'll dive into, uh, some scriptures. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be here today to dive into your word, your holy and amazing word. Let us never get complacent on the fact that that is your word. And for most of Christian history, to even hold the scriptures was a dream, and yet we have full-on access to it, and yet we live in in a society that lets it collect dust on the bookshelf. We go from people willing to die for your word, Father, to now we barely even realize how lucky we are to have it. So Father, don't let us ever forget that. And please be with us as we dive into your word tonight. And allow your holy spirit to give us guidance and please be with jd and his family justin and his family and all the members of the body of christ in jesus holy name we pray amen all right guys y'all excited i am let me go ahead and pull up um colossians on screen colossians is your favorite is that uh did i just see your comment now melissa that's awesome. If it is, it's a great book. So actually before I pull it up, let's, let's talk about a little bit of background of Colossians and, um, we'll read, we'll read the intro too, but just from, uh, my own study or research, um, the background on it is basically, so this isn't one of the areas where Paul is heavily invested in, right? Um, in fact, he hears about what's going on there, and he has people that he ministered to or he, uh, he, he taught that are there, but he, this isn't a place like one of his stomping grounds. This isn't like Ephesus or uh, Corinth or Rome or anything like that. And one of the things that they have going on there is what I believe, this is my opinion here, I bet Nick would probably agree with me here, early stages of Gnosticism. Um, I believe they were. it was looked at as dualism at that time, but basically it separated the flesh from the spiritual. And we see a lot of religions do that. So it's not, you know, just Gnosticism, um, but it, 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 everything flesh is evil and everything spirit is pure, which makes you ask the question, well, then how could Jesus be fully flesh, fully man? That So Gnostics deny that, right? Um, and you see that in today's heresy sometimes. They don't go by real names. On social media, on YouTube and TikTok, like nobody's openly being like, I'm an, I am an I believe in Gnosticism or Nestorianism. But it is, it is in existence in a lot of people's doctrines today. They won't even say that they believe that, but you find out when you dig deeper. Here's an example. Um, I've been saying this a lot recently because it really came to my attention in the last conversation I had with someone who believes in oneness. Um, but in order to believe in oneness, Nestorianism has to come into play. You have to deny that Jesus is fully God, fully man. Uh, When you ask those questions about who is Jesus speaking to when he prays, especially the high priestly prayer, return me to where I was before you created the world to my glory, right? Um, Who who spoke to Jesus at the baptism? Who did Jesus cry out to on the cross? And no matter what, no matter how they word it, they have to separate Jesus from the flesh, right? They have to. um, Because they have to say, well, it's God speaking to the flesh, like that that being that's right there physically, but not the God in him, right? No, that's Nestorianism. We believe, and, and you might not be aware of this, so you might not believe it, but the orthodox view, and I use that in the actual meaning of orthodox, by the way, the orthodox view in Christianity is that Jesus is fully man, fully God, known as the hypostatic union, right? So these are the things that are happening in Colossae, uh, uh. Colossae, that's how you say it. Yeah. Or colossae. Uh, and, and it's it's dualism. They separate the the spirit and the flesh. So Paul's gonna write a letter. It's got incredible stuff in here about walking in the way that Christ it's it's a great quick hit letter that he has here to give them guidance, to give them correction. And also, you'll notice when you read it. Why he's emphasizing a certain aspect of who Jesus is, right? He's taking his time to be like, let me show you this right now. This is what, who Jesus is. Um, So this letter here uh, emphasizes a lot the divinity of Christ. So let's go ahead and bring it up on screen. Someone said who wrote the letter of Colossians? Uh, That would be Paul. Paul wrote this letter. So let's read the intro that that the Bible we're looking at has. I don't know if it adds anything different. It says, Paul wrote to the church of Colossae to fortify it against false teachers who might try to impose strict rules about eating and drinking and religious festivals. Yes, these people were very legalistic. I forgot to mention that. Paul shows the superiority of Christ over all human philosophies and traditions. He writes of Christ's deity. He is the image of the invisible God and firstborn of all creation and of the uh, reconciliation he accomplished with his blood. He explains that the right way of living in this world is to focus on heavenly rather than earthly things. God's chosen people must leave their sinful lives behind and live in a godly way, looking to Christ as the head of the church. Paul wrote while in prison, uh, probably about the same time that he wrote to the Ephesians. So that's what my Bible has as the intro comes up. Um, I mean, I think actually does nail a lot of the points of this letter. (laughs) Um, uh, So it is actually a very good summary. So let's dive into chapter one, Colossians chapter one. If you're following along, I'm reading out of the English standard uh, version, ESV. So if you're reading out of a different version, try your best to keep up because I know that can be difficult sometimes. I know that when I try and follow someone in different translations, I just listen to them rather than trying to follow it. Uh chapter 1 verse 1 Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy our brother to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, uh Colossae, Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Little FYI here, uh small note is that he identifies these people as saints. These aren't dead people, right? I always, I always have that issue with this idea that you know the Catholic Church canonizes saints after they're dead and they decide, well, they're a saint, they're a saint. Well, the way that Paul speaks of saints, it is not like this specific special person. It's, it's believers in Christ Jesus, believers in the Father, in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that walk in faith. That's that's what a, that's what a saint is, right? But we've we've uh, been kind of manipulated to believe that saints are holier than us, right? Like we're not a saint, like right? That's that's the mindset, right? Um, you know, there's even sayings like, you know, saints and the sinners, right? I'm still a sinner. I ain't no saint, right? And it's this mindset to not be set apart. It kind of keeps you from what you rightfully are by, by doing that. And, and this wasn't meant to be a shot at them. Uh, the Orthodox recognize saints, but I don't believe the Orthodox looks at it the same way as them. But yeah, I just wanted to point that out there that Paul is talking about all the saints and that's all the believers. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of this, you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. And so here we see the word of truth, which we see this throughout scripture all the time. So I'm going to highlight that because that's an important saying, because we see that, uh, you know, rightly handling the word of truth. And what is the word of truth? It's defined right here. The gospel, right? So Paul's defining the word of truth right here when he says, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, comma, the gospel, comma, right? So grammar here, just proper understanding of grammar. If you wanna know what the word of truth is when you see the word of truth in scriptures, it's the gospel. And that's what Paul's uh, Paul's emphasizing here. Which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it does among you since the day you heard it and understood. I was recently reading this and this one really stuck out to me. I want to actually see what the Greek is on that. So it says, once you heard it and understood, that Greek is epinote. And it means to come to know, directing my attention to him. It perceived, discern, recognize, found out. Because notice he doesn't just say, it is; it does since the day you heard it. All right. Faith comes by hearing, right? He didn't say you've been saved since the day you heard the gospel. He he goes out of his way to say the day that you heard it and understood. And, and, you know, obviously looking at the definitions here, recognizing it, uh, you know, addressing it, putting your attention on it, because people hear the gospel all the time. But it's once you understand it, once you come to faith, once you believe it, it says he is a faithful minister of Christ. I'm sorry. I, I jumped down one spot. The grace of God and truth, just as you learned in it from Epaphras, Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. So obviously this is the guy that came to Paul and told him about his brothers and sisters that have an issue that are going through some stuff. So he's sitting there being like, this is what he's made known to us. Uh, Well, he's about to go into what, what has been made known to us. And so from the day we heard we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. This is why I made the video last night that I did. A lot of people speak at each other, especially in today's society, Christianity-wise, like you, like you don't pray about them that way, I hope. Everything I see in, in scripture, no matter how much Paul is addressing falsehoods, what is he always doing? He is talking about how he's praying for them. He loves them, peace to them, joy to them. But some people on these apps, the way they talk to each other, Christian to Christian, it's like this most evil hatred that I've, I like, it's crazy. It's crazy. And people don't realize it because they they say it with uh, a kind voice, but they still say it like, you are so dumb. You guys are idiots. You guys are this. You slithering snakes. This, this, and that. Like, yeah, they might not be out here cussing and screaming, But what they're saying is disgusting. And we never see that in Scripture. And that's why last night I said in my video, um, talk about people the way you pray about them. Because if if you're praying about them, you should be praying about their success. You should be praying about their growth. If you just want to be better than somebody or point out that you're better than somebody or shut somebody down, that's one thing. But to correct someone is a whole different thing. So what are you praying on? Are you praying on that person's downfall or are you praying on that person being lifted up in the spirit? Because a lot of Christians that I see on this, especially on TikTok, the way they're attacking the false teachers, the way they're correcting people, it's as if you're praying on their downfall. And that's just, yeah. He says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. I got to go through that again, because if 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 we were to preach this today, people would call it workspace. What does Paul say here? He says, walk in the manner worthy of the Lord walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. But yet we, if we talk about this, people want to push back. It's like, I don't know if it's a laziness in people that they're secretly like hoping they can just be like, I don't got to do nothing. I, I don't know. It's its strange because to see Christians that push back against what the Bible says pleases him. In John chapter 15, here, I can just open it up. In John chapter 15, what does Jesus say? And I always bring it up because it caught my eye once and I'll never let it go. By this, my father is glorified in verse eight. And the reason why it caught my eye is because, well, we should all wanna glorify the father. Like that's what we should want to do. He says, by this, my father is glorified. Okay, Jesus, what'd you about to say? That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Look like me. That's what he's saying. That is what Jesus is saying. Be like me as I'm gone. Look like me. Don't let people forget who I am because they have to see you every day. Nobody's going to forget my name because everywhere you go, it will represent me. Every building you're in, every hut, every town, they will see me in you. And that glorifies my father. That's what he's saying. And when I meet Christians that don't want to do that, fight back against that, it's like, what? We must have both missed the whole point of the Bible. You just trying to get saved. I'm trying to serve the king. And that's what I'm trying to tell people. It's not works-based to want to serve him, to love him. And, And Paul's about to again, let's go right back where we were at. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. You weren't qualified for that, by the way, right? I love the little little note right there. You're, You're not qualified for the inheritance of life. You weren't qualified for that. You was a fallen, broken sinner. We give thanks to the father because he has qualified for us to share in that inheritance. And then it says, what it adds even more of why you should be doing this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness That's the evil one. I don't know what you want to call that. Hell, uh, your pathway to to, to condemnation. And he's transferred you to the kingdom of his beloved son. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So he's calling them to walk this way and reminding them what he did for them. It's not about you earning anything because what he did for you already is un... un, uh, You can't pay that back. It's... You're incapable. I don't even know the word I'm looking for. I'm trying to come up with one to just explain that they're not paying that back. So there's nothing you're working for. You couldn't. You couldn't earn it if you tried. What he paid, you can't afford. They dive straight into verse 15 of who Jesus is. uh, Chapter one don't hold, don't pull no punches. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. This one gets people kind of mixed up. Um, They say, what does it mean firstborn? This is actually one that the Jehovah's Witnesses will try to uh, go to, to try and show that Jesus was created. So this is Jewish understanding here. Again, don't read the Bible from the future. The firstborn has heir, has rights, has ownership. The firstborn is a position. He is the firstborn of all creation. yes that's not about being created itself from him comes everything and his he is preeminent he has uh, a full right and claim over everything and I also believe that this is also pointing to the fact that he himself gave himself a physical creation prior to g- creating so he is the first physical manifestation as well that's that's something I firmly believe now I don't know how many scholars or anybody would say that but I believe that goes hand in hand with this that obviously if God is eternal and he's spirit, there was a time before he had any physical representation and he created a physical representation. I'm sure of it, right? That we see, we saw him in the old Testament. We see him in the new Testament incarnated. So I believe that that, that it goes even that deep, but obviously the firstborn here in the Jewish intent is the, uh, the firstborn with authority, uh, the, the, the heir of all things for by him, all things were created. So Paul kind of, I love how Paul adds that in for the people that would have tried to act like Jesus is a created being for by him, all things were created, all things, not all but him. It wasn't, it doesn't say for by him, all other things were created. No, because Jesus isn't the first creation. That's not what he is for by him. All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That, that reminds me of Hebrews chapter 1 when it says that he upholds the universe by the word on his in his mouth. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. Oh, excuse me, the firstborn from the dead. So here's another one. Now he's the firstborn from the dead. So first he was the firstborn of all creation. And now he's the firstborn of the dead. And it says that in everything he might be preeminent. So I find this interesting. So this is Mike's uh, uh, reading the scriptures, right? The, just want to throw it out there. I'm not the authority. As I said, when I look at the firstborn of creation, I see the fact that he obviously had to be the first one to take on any physical form as well. So he is the first of all creation, like first of everything. And and he's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. When I see firstborn of the dead and then he says and that in everything he might be preeminent, it is Jesus being like, not only am I the first of everything, but I'll be the first to be reborn as well. Like if you're the, you're not going to be the first of it, I will be preeminent. I am the first of everything because he paved the way for us. He came into the flesh, died on the cross so that he may rise, so that we may rise because of him. Right. So he is he is preeminent, even in that, even in that role of being glorified, of resurrected, being born again. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether all on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That's an interesting statement. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. We know the fullness of God is the uh, the, uh, heavenly father, the son and the Holy Spirit. And if all three have eternally existed as God, this makes more sense to me. When it says in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So the son is the image of the invisible God, the physical representation of God in whom the father and the Holy Spirit are pleased to dwell with him in this physical realm with him coming with him. It is all three in one, but he is three. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. He makes peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith stable and steadfast not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard that you heard which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I Paul became a minister let's go back and take a look at that real quick He says, and you were once alienated and hostile in mind, right? So he's speaking to Gentiles in in that uh, regard because Gentiles uh, in, in, in this city most likely probably would understand exactly what he means. You were once alienated and hostile in mind. They were walking in the flesh. They were against God, an enemy of God. He has now reconciled us in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, it's all about faith. Continue in the faith. But what happens if you don't continue in the faith and you, your faith wasn't strong enough? You didn't have true faith. I have no doubt that there are people that think they have faith. Y'all know that already. I've said it a million times. If there are people that think they have faith, but you end up realizing they don't. And it's not our place to judge that. But it's also obvious when we have so many people that are like, well, I went to church for four years and let me tell you why I'm not a Christian. God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present every everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. That's the end of chapter one. He was going in on that. So he didn't hold any he didn't hold any punches on that. He comes in a, in chapter one, reminding them of who, how they need to walk, who Christ is, what Christ has done for us, and then speaks about being alienated, being brought back into the fold because of Christ's blood. So let's dive into chapter two because this is where a lot of stuff happens. Chapter two dives a lot more into some other things that I definitely feel like we have talked about a lot recently on the podcast. What's going on, everybody? I just realized a bunch of people finally showed up. I know y'all like, where's JD yet? I, I apologize. I apologize. Blame JD. It is all JD's fault. It is not my fault. I was on time. Um, but, you know, he's eating something over there. No hoo-hoo. I don't know. Maybe he's watching, although he's probably laying in bed knocked out. Paul goes hard in the word. Yes, he does. Yo, Paul. Paul's is, is definitely you got to reread Paul though over and over again. All right, chapter two. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Plausible arguments. I feel like in, um. let me see what the What that reads and is it King James? Usually, I got J d here, so his King James is already open. Beguile you with enticing words. That's what I remember it. We all remember how we learned certain verses and stuff like that. <laughs> like I can't help but read John three sixteen as if it's the King James, like whenever I just do it. Send you a link. You want to come in? I'll send you a link to your email, Justin. All right, guys. Give me one second. We might have a last-minute addition. Justin may join us. I don't see any of you right now. I'm bringing up the invite tab. All right. There we go. All right. If he comes in, he comes in. Um, I say this in order that no one may delude you with, uh, with, with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This is probably one of those verses that we need to probably look at ourselves more and more every day because we don't do this. Do we every day just are we abounding in thanksgiving? How about that? Let's just start right there as I see, wait and see if Justin's coming in. Cause like I said, I don't know if he was talking to me when he said, Send a link. Yeah, there he is. Are you abounding in thanksgiving? Let me, matter of fact, let's ask Justin. Are you abounding in Thanksgiving,
1: Justin? Especially right now, my daughter just got saved. Who? She just asked. The, we were talking about something earlier, man, and she's been. Hold on. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Hold on. Hold on. Let, come here. Hold on. Can we share this real quick? I know we're. Come here. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going I'm to tell you how it happened. We'll get back into the Bible study. But so we were watching. We were watching Benny Hinn and Greg Locke. I don't know if you guys seen the video, right? <laughs> and this guy on YouTube was going over basically what was biblical and what wasn't biblical. And look at Greg Locke and Benny Hinn and all these things. And and Kenzie got upset and, and was she like, started she started defending. Because she's like, why are they talking about believers? Or? She, go, she got upset. She and got upset because they were saying born again believers can't have. She thought that me and you. And she thought I was like, yeah, this guy's right. Born again believers can't be filled with demons and all that. And she got upset. But there are demons. Yeah. So we yeah. sat down and talked, and all of a sudden and she walks around, and and we've been feeling led to, you know, I've been waiting. I want, I want my daughter to understand what is the gospel. Why is she being saved? All these things. I want her to understand it. I want her to tell it and articulate it to me. So. She walks in here to the kitchen and she says, Daddy, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. I feel like Jesus is knocking on my heart right now and I want to let him in. So I came over here, I sat down at the table with her and we went through it and she articulated it back to me. And we're going to get with our pastor uh, probably this upcoming week and get her baptized. (laughs) Say thank you. Thank you. <laughs> all right, let me do, let me help Mike. I would do. Congratulations!
0: I had to make the, I had to make a clap. Look, we got everybody in the comment section all happy. Look, so you just made Jay, JD didn't make it, but we got something even better. Well,
1: say thank you. Well, well, thank you, Say we'll we'll, we'll do a, a video and share with everybody when yeah, you do. She too. wants to share her baptism and everything. We'll do a lot. Forty lives. Okay. Say, I'll see you later. We're gonna. I'll see you later. So I'm abounding in a lot of Thanksgiving, man. Very happy, man. Very happy that when your child says, you know, Jesus is knocking on my heart, and I want to let Him uh, come in, and she articulates it. It's all led by the Holy Spirit. It's never been us. We've never been forceful. So I'm very happy right now, man. What what chapter we in, bro?
0: We're in Colossians chapter two. We're just starting it off. I was asking everybody uh, listening to, to on verse six. I said, is this you every day? And then I said, you know what? Instead of the whole verse, actually verse seven, I said, instead of the whole verse, what about the last three words? Are you abounding in thanksgiving? Because I love that Colossians dives into how we're supposed to walk in the Lord. I love that it reminds us of these different things that we're called to represent Christ everywhere we go.
1: You're in Colossians 2, 6. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, w- I want to touch on this, too, man, because Paul in here is is addressing uh, legalism. I mean, this is this is one of the topics that that he's uh, taking on in this specific book in the book of Galatians, Judaizers, uh, Judaizers that were coming to come in and, and basically subvert households, subvert the faith. Um, and, and the things that are happening that we see now happening in, you know, nothing new under the sun with the things that are going on and the simplicity that we find in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I I think that we, uh, we make it hard for individuals, um, but we find the simplicity that is found in, in, in Christ Jesus. It's, it's, it's beautiful, man.
0: Yeah, no, and I was talking, I don't know how long you were on the live, but I was talking about how there's a lot of Gnosticism um, and dualism happening in in this city and whatnot. But no, yeah, I love actually what we're going to get here in about 10 verses. So I'm going to keep going. Let me see. Verse eight. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. I mean, this is another one y'all all all need to be listening. I mean, everybody online, because this is is Christian TikTok in a nutshell, like (laughs) being captive in philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, human things, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been uh, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So this is actually the passage right here. Uh, Justin, that I often point to when I explain how important baptism still is. I, I get so upset at the argument of, is baptism necessary? Because what happens is you have people that run in the opposite direction so far that they're both wrong. You got the people that run all the way to, you must be baptized to be saved. And they're wrong. But then you get the people that run all the way over this other direction where it's all spirit baptism. Don't, you don't need water. Don't even touch water. And it's like, no, that still is the representation of our baptism. And it's just like circumcision was. And Paul points to the fact that baptism is our circumcision, not done by human hands. So why wouldn't we do that in the church just as the circumcision was done? Right. And no one's saying it saves you. But it, like you just said, you said Kenzie got saved. Y'all didn't dunk her in no water. And then you said, we're going to plan the baptism now. I forget who it was that had a great quote, one of those old men in the faith back in the day, but he said something like, um, only a saved Christian gets in the tub to be baptized. Right. Like, cause if you're getting in, you believe like nobody gets in unsaved and gets saved in the water. You get in saved or you get in unsaved and you probably walk away unsaved.
1: Yeah, man. And I want to touch on this man. Uh, you know, that that I always tell individuals a lot of times, a lot of individuals are talking about how do I excel in the spirit, Justin? How do I excel in the spirit? And then they go into the scriptures and they find things that they don't want to do because individuals say everything that you do is a work, is a work instead of it's a work in me. So I always tell individuals and I was just explaining this to Kenzie, uh, trying to go through it slowly with her about what water baptism was ultimately, and uh, it, it symbolizes, if, it, if you talk about dying with Christ and rising with Christ, it's talking about your death, burial, and resurrection with Christ. It's symbolizing that it, that is happening to you. Now, I know a lot of individuals like to say that it's the inward expression of what is happening, but that's not accurate either, because then you have to go to ex-Christians who are now atheists who were water-baptized. And if you don't believe that you can lose your eternal security, well, then there wasn't an N-word expression happening. You know what I'm saying? So we have to think about these uh, things. I always tell individuals there's nothing in the Bible that I won't do. I don't do it to ha- have salvation. I do it because I have salvation. And that's the difference. I want to go deeper with God. I w- I- I'm in full submission. I mean, I have this desire to do whatever out of faith. You know, everything is done out of faith. And I always tell individuals, stop looking at the Bible like a burden and start looking at the Bible as just a desire to commune deeper with God. That's that's the way that I see it, man. I don't there's nothing in the Bible I don't want to do. I, I'm, I'm, I'm gravitating to everything in the Bible. And I think once you have that true submission, instead of finding things that, oh, well, not this and oh, not that and all this. How about you just surrender? and just let them work in you. You know what I'm saying? Just let them work in you, man. Let them move. You already got salvation, you know what I mean?
0: People love to look at the Bible that way. Like like they're looking at it like this plan and they're like trying to skim through and find these hidden details, but it's the guide to faith. It's your guide to faith. I, dude, have you ever really thought about it? How much in the Bible is actually about salvation? Like this much. Most of that is how to walk once you're saved. Like Go through the Old Testament. None of that's about salvation. It's about the coming Messiah. And then when you get to the Gospels, he preaches on it, but then he also talks about how to walk. And all the epistles, we're reminded that we are saved. Like, most, epistle, most epistles, he's not saying, you need to believe because then you'll be saved. Most epistles, what do we see Paul talking about? Like, you are saved. Christ did save you. Turn from your sin. Do this, do, do that. So the, these people are sinning. They're saved. Paul's not sitting here like you lost your salvation. It's The Bible is our guide to faith. These scriptures aren't, well, you got to read them and study how to get saved. And then you got, you got to dive into the, because this and the, no, stop. You're taking this way that we make it complicated, to be honest. Like we as humans and the thing though, I bro, is that I try to say this, that we make it complicated, but when we do make it complicated, it becomes important. Like I try to tell people like you can be saved off the simplicity of the gospel. When you add more to it, you add more chance of you believing the wrong thing. So now it does matter, right? Like Trinity, for example, I don't think someone has to confess the Trinity to be saved because someone might not understand it. They don't have the mental faculty, a lower IQ level. Uh, you know, they just might never been taught it properly. They're ignorant. But when people dive deeper and trying to debunk it and this this, and that, right? So now they're actively going against the Trinity. Now they're actively rejecting who God is, right? I believe that that's not knowing Jesus. Right. So it's this weird thing where, like, the deeper you dive, the more you make required for you to know. And when it comes to um, the gospel.
1: Yeah. and You know, I always tell people, and you know, in the Bible, it says, seek and you shall find. Right. So it says in, in Matthew, chapter six, not trying to get off topic, uh, Mike, but it says when the eye behold, the body behold. And what that's talking about is the heart. So where your heart is, your treasure will also be. So I always tell individuals, I you know, I always wake up every day when I pray to God and I always pray for his will to be done, obviously. But I'm always telling him, I just want you to burn anything out of me, uh, anything that is going on in here. And I just want to get closer to you. You know what I'm saying? So when I go into the Bible, I'm going into the Bible to consume it. And get more revelation, more deeper understanding of who the Father is through Christ. And I tell people, man, there's there. If you can't submit now, and you can't kill that flesh now, everybody's always talking about wanting to go deeper with God. What is fasting? What is doing all these things? I tell people I excelled uh, in in the spirit when I started preaching in the streets because I believe that's the ultimate. Uh, undoing of yourself. Uh, and, and I've gotten into all this. So I always tell individuals, if you're still trying to bit, find bits and pieces that that you want to pick apart and say, well, I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. Salvation is in Christ alone. You're right. It's it's the gospel, the gospel that saves the blood of Christ that saves. But what a great thing to be busy in the treasures of God, going deep, deeper with God and understanding why you continue to walk this life out. And then you find this identity in Christ and everything changes. It's beautiful, man. Don't don't look at the Bible as a burden. Look at it as wanting to go deeper with God in revelation. And when you start to stop trying to pick things apart and read it for yourself, it'll start to change.
0: Amen. Let's keep rolling into it then. Verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. Right, If you look, Jesus referred to people as dead people. Right, Let the dead bury the dead. He, he we, we are dead in our sins before Christ. You're not alive. You're dead in your sins. And, and like I said, Christ looked at them as dead men walking. Because if you don't have Christ, you don't have life. If you don't have life, you are dead. Even if you, ha- you give off the, uh, the appearance of some type of life because you're breathing, it won't last forever. You're dead. And in Christ is life. And he says that you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive. Oh, where'd I go? Yeah. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Like he, he lays it out right there. Very simple with the gospel. You had a debt. It got canceled out because Christ took the cross and paid it. Like simple as that. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put t- them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Ugh. And here goes what J- uh, Justin was talking about when he first popped up here. You, you Justin, you got your Bible open? You want to read yeah. verse 16? I know this one's one that we're going to get into with legalism.
1: Yeah, because there's, there's a lot of this going on for individuals in the body of Christ. So it says verse 16, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you and questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath verse 17 says, these are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So when it's talking about these types and shadows that were in the old Testament, it was always pointing to Christ. Just like the aim of the law was Christ. That's why we see this correlation with the old Testament and the new Testament and how you can go through stories in the old Testament, looking at specific figures like Joseph and Moses and these types of prototypes or shadows that are of Christ. You can look at the stories and how they correlate Christ's story. It's very beautiful.
0: You know, it's interesting. Um, earlier someone asked me about, uh, the new wineskins, old wineskins parable. And it it goes hand in hand with this right here, because, you know, uh, Jesus is explaining, you can't take the old covenant and this new covenant and mix them together. There's, there's differences to them and they both have their purpose, but you can't use them together. They, they, they if you do so, it'll ruin both with the patch and the pants, the old wine and the new wine, right? Jesus is the, what came from the shadow as uh, uh, Justin just said, right? So, when people talk about the Sabbath, I made mean my Sabbath video. A lot of people get caught on this, but God said, keep his Sabbath. Yes, it was a foreshadow of what was to come in Christ. We're not denying the Sabbath. We're understanding the true Sabbath, the, what, what the Sabbath represented in Christ. We're understanding what these different things represented in Christ. It is not a denial of the old. It is acceptance of the new because we understand that the new covenant is something greater and bigger than what the old covenant was.
1: Well, see, there's another thing to this, man, uh, in reference to the Sabbath. Yes, the Sabbath uh, was the sixth day, right? We understand all this thing. But another thing that individuals, and I just want to hit on this real quick, Mike, because I kind of want to explain something to the reference of the nation and the Sabbath that individuals are forgetting. Um, a, a lot of times too, when you're going off of the Sabbath, they didn't have calendars in that time, so when you you reference, uh, it was 360 days a year, and the new year actually started in roughly, I believe it was Nissan, so it would be technically March, and I'm not going to get into all that. Uh, but they would go off of the new moon, so they would look at that. That's why it says the Gospel of the Stars, right? And they would look at the moon, and the new moon would be the new month, so it would be two, two uh, 15 uh 15 days 15 days two two new moons and this would be the reference point of originally uh when the sabbath uh started in past time now a lot of times that individuals don't understand when we're going through the old testament we're talking about this nation that is set up and i'm going all back through the book of genesis right now and covenantal things and the bloodline and the foreshadowing to david the king of israel and then the bloodline of jesus that we see in the new testament but what a lot of individuals don't understand these specific laws for the nation And the set apart nation in regards to the Sabbath, you got to understand, like in America, there are individuals that can't do a Sabbath on a particular Saturday because they got to work. There's different laws of the land for specific nations and countries that you walk into. Now, when Christ was always talking about, we hear this, come to me, I will give you rest. Right. That's what he says. He says, come to me, I will give you rest from what? from ceasing from your works. Yes, he was talking about the works of the law, but he's also talking about resting from yourself. Resting from yourself, you will find rest, sit in the Lord. And then it says, I will do a work in you. Well, he also said this to the woman at the well. There's coming a time where you won't worship the father in a mountain or in Jerusalem, but you will worship him in spirit and truth, even so is now. Like this personal relationship that is happening. The eternal things that he always intended to bring, he wants us to think about heavenly things and stop being so carnal in reference to everything that we read in the Bible because it was always pointing to him. I find my rest in Christ, but if you want to get technical, If you want to get technical, it does talk about doing what is lawful on the Sabbath. So if you want to get technical, if you want to understand something, if you adhere to those things, we would still be holding to the Sabbath the way that they were when we go out and we preach on the Sabbath. Because Christ was healing, preaching, teaching, raising the dead, cleansing the leopard on the Sabbath. It is good to do what is lawful on the Sabbath. But what's wrong with him being our Sabbath 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Amen. Amen.
0: <laughs> and then he says, let no one disqualify you. Insisting on asceticism. How do you, uh, let me see if I can get a good definition on this one, because I'm not that super smart like everybody else. Meekness, lowliness, humility. Okay. Insisting on asceticism and worship of angels going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by this, by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through the joint, its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world why as if you were still alive in the world do you submit to regulations do not handle do not taste do not touch referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings I love that one Justin I love that one cuz that's yeah. people do it all the time hey can can I listen to like this kind of music and can I do this <laughs> And can I do this? And, oh, you can't do this. And it's literally do not handle, do not taste, do not touch because it's based on human precepts. Like, well, no, I would think that, you know, you just can't do that.
1: Yeah, uh, man. It's a lot of people live in fear. I always tell individuals, um, you know, we're sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus bought and paid for by the blood of Christ. Now I understand that there's spiritual warfare. I understand that we, we understand that our battle is not flesh and blood, but we're diminishing the power of the gospel and the blood of Christ and the Holy spirit. Because to me, you know, the devil roaming, right? He roams, but he's not technically supposed to be roaming in our realm. And I think the problem is Until people understand your identity and stop letting this world have so much power over you. I hear all these individuals. uh, Look, man, I'd say I can hold up this drink. It's got an Illuminati symbol on it or something, or this music that you're listening to. They, they, they want to break everything down. This, this Christian song, or this, this is opening up doorways and all these things. When you become a possession of Christ and you give your life to Christ, he takes up residence you are a bond servant, signed, sealed, and delivered. You are His and His alone. And this is why I tell individuals, man, um, this. And and you know what? I kind of, I kind of, I, I kind of call that a a form of legalism because when you have to use fear with every single object in this world, every single song that you listen to, everything's a doorway. All these things that's that's living in a state of fear. And in the Bible, He uses a reference to fear 350 times because he says, I don't give you a spirit of fear. And that's the problem. So I would reference also those individuals that do these things of having a legalistic spirit to them. Mm.
0: See, I thought you were about to keep going. So I started drinking my water. I got to learn your time. And Uh, you look like you were ready to go, man. I haven't been on in a while. So I'm trying to ping off you. I got to I got to figure you out. Um, although I know you're street preaching body language and it's when he gets on the mic, if you you got to stop him, like you, if you want the microphone, if not, he'd be out there six hours. He just preach like he he got an autopilot preach mode. He keep going. You'd be like, all right. He sounds like he about to finish it up. He's going to wrap it up. And then he boom. And like, you know what? I'm just but I love it. You get me hey, it's,
1: hey, it's good because Mike, I was just talking about this the other day and I told, let me, let me, let me state this too. And then we'll, we'll, we'll get back on this. Uh, I told individuals, man, I've been doing this for what, roughly over four years. I'm coming up on my fifth year of actual street ministry. And, you know, over the past year, it's been a little bit slower than it was the four years before, but we're starting to get back out, starting to travel, do all these things. And, uh, I told the individuals, I said, I'm, I'd be lying to you. Um, if I said, I still don't get nervous because they were asking me, how did you start evangelizing? How did it start for you? I started describing and I said, one thing I can tell you is um, there's still a nervousness when you go out sometimes. I mean, I, I would technically be lying to you. And then I brought Mike up. I said, you ever notice Mike? I said, watch Mike because Mike gets a little bit nervous. But what happens when I get going? When I get going, Mike knows when I get going, I'm good at stirring you up. The spirit that is in me is good at stirring you up. I said, if you ever watched Mike, and that's okay. I said, if you ever watched Mike, probably about 15, maybe 10 minutes, Mike's like, all right, Justin, you done yet? I'm ready to go. Nah, keep going, man. But if you're done, I'm ready to go because we stir what's happening is. We're stoking. It's like stoking a fire. So when a fire is going out, you're stoking it and stirring it and it's blazing. That's why he says provoke and stir up. The spirit. So, because of what's happening with me, and Mike knows if you come out there, I can light an individual on fire. I can't explain it. It's my strong stru a song, a strong suit. Preaching in the streets. Mike has his strong suit. He's good out there too. I'm not saying that, but that's where I'm. I'm. I'm called. Mike's really good with his little his videos on TikTok, and we bounce. But when we get out there, man, he gets stirred up by the spirit in me that stirs him up. And he's ready to go. It's very amazing. And I have many people that come out there like, I don't, I'm not going to preach on the mic, Justin. Uh, I just want to come out there and pray. And then they come out with me the first time and they're 10 minutes. Hey man, I'm ready to go. You you, you done, Justin? You done?
0: Yeah, exactly <laughs> what it is. And, and and we're going back out this Friday. Uh, I mentioned it. Uh, I think in my story earlier, I know that Justin posted it on his page and said that he's taking some time off TikTok. Uh, but we will be live again Friday, um, probably around the same time. We haven't really discussed that, but probably around the same time. Um, yeah. So yeah, so get, make sure you guys tune in. You're praying for us. Um, hopefully, it's not deadly heat hot. It probably will
1: be. <laughs>
0: Even at nighttime, it's 95 degrees out here.
1: It's hot, bro. It's I'm
0: hot. I'm sorry, guys. I keep yawning. I I, I promise I'm not tired. I I'm, I'm enjoying my time with you all. <laughs> All right, so uh, as we just read here, it says, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to the things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgences of the flesh. We see this every day still, man. Like it's, it's, it's crazy how these heresies today are no different than the devil's original heresies. Like he's not creative at all. Satan is not creative. But then again, humans are stupid and we fall for it. So is it that he's not creative or we don't figure it out eventually? Because it's the same heresies all over again. Every hundred years, it's back, back, back.
1: Yeah, man. And uh, bro, I see it. I see it so bad on specifically uh, having to do with um, Gnosticism, mysticism, uh, enlightenment, uh, these deeper revelations somehow that individuals are getting that don't ever want to gather with individuals that they're running off by themselves and ultimate, ultimately what is happening is they 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 ultimately walk away they 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 start out with the deity of Christ and then it, it it travels down this path and this is why i've been talking a little bit about the tree there's two trees in the garden now i know the tree is not jesus but it says the tree of life you can do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but then there's the tree of life. He didn't say you couldn't eat from the tree of life. He said the tree of knowledge of good and evil and, and the things that come from the world, the elementary principles and the demonic worldly knowledge that individuals get. But we have to recognize what's going on when we're seeking out these things. Are we seeking out these things to be enlightened more by other things? deceiving us into believing that it's the holy spirit giving us these revelations and this is why i said you need to know your bible so that you can test these things you need to test everything because the revelations and the wisdom and the knowledge is simple but it's supposed to be to grow your relationship with the father to give you application for your life for you and your family for the Things that you see in the world so you can distinguish between what is right and wrong and then to be a better vessel to be used by God to go out there and win some souls for the gospel. So you guys be careful of what apple <laughs> you're biting from, because it may take you down a dark, dark, dark rabbit hole that you may not ever find your way out. And then you're going to have darkness in your life all the time. We got to be careful, man. We got to get rooted in the word.
0: So you made me think of uh, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Um, down here in11, mm-hmm. uh, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceived that there is nothing better for them men, for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man yeah, what does he say it right? Hold on? I know there's another part that he says it, but he placed eternity into a man's heart. We have a drive to know him, to know what he's done. But at the same time, it says that yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. And then there's another part that um that we see uh, Solomon mention in I don't know where it's at, where he says that, you know, uh, the lazy man, uh, he's always craving. And that the one that works, he's he's sustained, right? And the same thing goes with our knowledge for God. There's lazy people that just want to shortcut the Bible, find whatever they can find the way that works best with what they believe, and they'll always be di- looking for more. Uh, what is? I think Paul says it in Corinthians. Uh, you know, continuing to. To, to learn, but actually learning nothing. I, I don't know exactly where he says it. But.
1: Yeah, ever, ever learning, but never coming to the saving knowledge yes, of the exactly. truth, of the gospel. Um,
0: Amen. And also, I that's what we see with what, what he's speaking of in Ecclesiastes and in Proverbs when he says that, you know, it's the people that aren't, they're not really seeking it for, like you said, the correct reason. They're not seeking, they're not asking these questions to grow closer. They're questioning God in a, in a way that they shouldn't.
1: And this is this is this is kind of a reference to since we're hitting on this point, um, the people in, in, in and time that Christ dealt with. And I'm going to use specifically it's in the uh, gospel of, of Matthew, I believe that it is. And they're all kind of similar anyways. But uh, when he's dealing with the Sadducees, it may be Matthew 12. I may be off a little bit, but uh, they come to him. Uh, the Sadducees. And if you get into the history of these individuals, these are, these were very intelligent individuals. The Pharisees were very intelligent individuals. They were learned highly, highly educated uh, individuals, but he referenced to them because they didn't believe in the death, burial and resurrection. So they didn't believe in Christ. And they didn't believe in the next life where God had the power to create another life. And it always references this thing that you do err in the scriptures because in them, you Seek eternal life, but it is they
0: asked about the wives or the husbands,
1: yeah, yes. And then he was giving them a reference of what it was going to be like in heaven. Um, and then he said, You do err in the scriptures because it's they that testify of me, and they didn't believe in Christ of the death, burial, and resurrection or heaven, uh, that was to come. Um, so I always tell individuals, um, you know, getting this knowledge or, or faith is not this intellectual head knowledge that people are seeking after. It's a heart condition. It's a heart problem because you can have all the knowledge up here and be the smartest individual In the world and be just as dead as anybody else walking around. You can sound very sophisticated. This is why he says, don't let your minds be led astray by vain babbling and deceit and empty deceit and empty words and all these things, philosophical matters and individuals that talk so smart and sound sophisticated because they're still fallible individuals. We're all fallible men. We cannot teach you to get that revelation of God. We can speak it into you that stirs something up or a seed that's been planted and we're coming along, we're watering it or we're tilling, we're planting and all these things. And we're speaking the word and it's being watered and we're waiting to see it sprout up. But we cannot will you to get those revelations, those individuals. And I get into fights with them all the time. And I said, when they want to brag about their PhDs and their intellectual knowledge and all this smart, I said, let me let you in on a little secret, buddy. I said, the Pharisees thought the very same thing and the Messiah stood right in front of them after they taught from the scrolls couldn't recognize him and let me let you in on a little secret when you die that PhD is going to be right there in the grave next to you and nobody's going to remember your name so remember that remember that man it's about that relationship with Christ it's about that revelation that comes to you by the spirit so that you can get in communion with the father and son to know him And it is sufficient. It is simple. Don't be chasing. Don't be, don't be chasing these other things, man. Don't be going after these other things. You don't need it. You're not going to take it to the grave. And the only reason individuals take this knowledge is because knowledge is power and control. Then you see these individuals wanting to shame Christians and, and, and and fight and argue. And then you see this pride, arrogant, it says pride puffeth up, but love edifies, stay away from it because they're going to show you your fruits. This is simple, man. This is simple.
0: Amen. Amen. Uh, uh, Let's keep going then. Uh, 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 Did we start verse three? No, we didn't. Uh, Chapter three. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Mm -hmm. Paul says this in Romans eight and he he actually defines a little bit differently, uh, or a little bit more invo- uh, involved with the in the flesh part. Yeah, came and learn how to speak tonight. He says, "For the mind that is set on flesh is hostile to God." So Paul, a minute ago, just said, "Set your mind on heavenly things, not fleshly things." Right? And in Romans eight, he tells you, "If your mind is set on flesh, your mind is hostile to God." Because your mind is set on things, not him. Your mind is set on things of this world. It says, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We need to seek. And this is why I said I was happy about Colossians tonight. Because what's one of the things you probably have heard me say a lot recently. JD talked about it with me last week. Seek first the kingdom of God and all righteousness. That's been the verse that's been on my heart for the last two months. Seek first the kingdom of God. Our minds should be set on things where Christ is at because that's where we want to be, right? Because if your mind is – and, and oh, I love that Justin pointed out earlier. The heart um, is the lantern of the body because yes. you know, the eye is the lantern of the heart. Where yeah. your eye is set, so is your heart, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus warned us if your eye is set on earthly money, then your heart is on earthly money. But if your eye is set on heavenly riches, then your heart is on heavenly riches, right? He told you, build up your treasures in heaven. Serve me. I got, I got you. In the beginning of this letter, he said the, tr- the greatest treasures ever are inside Christ. Right? So it all goes full circle to the fact that we should be in everything we do. It's not legalism to tell you Christians, stop living in the world. It's me trying to give you advice that Paul shares with you here. I bet money. Thank God, Thank you, Lord that the scriptures weren't written in 2023. Can you imagine a scripture written by one of these Christians in 2023? Like, just like, believe it. And like, you know, nobody really can say nothing to you. Thou shalt not judge you, bro. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you can't (laughs) be judged and you saved by belief and you just got to believe it and don't worry about, and don't do nothing else. Like, right. Right. One page. What, man, I'm, I'm just glad that, uh, Scripture was written by Paul and not some of y'all. Because you if I if I just made a video on TikTok cherry picking some of these verses and not saying I'm reading scripture, just turn it into 2023 lingo, I would get called workspace. Like if I was sat there like yeah. Christians, do this and then proceed to quote Paul and then do it so that you know most people that know the Bible would obviously recognize it be like that sounds awfully familiar. But you know, those Christians that don't, like, oh legalism legalism
1: well it's it's like this too man that's why i tell people why do you think in in hebrews uh hebrews chapter 11 i believe it is when he's going through all the different examples of running the race of faith and he uses all these people and then he talks about treasure because you have to go digging for treasure and then he talks about rewards see god is unique and fun So what does he want you to be? He wants you to be busy for your rewards that come after salvation. That's why you're storing up treasure in heaven. This is what God is trying to get you to understand. How unique and joyous and fun is it to be seeking after the treasure and to be laboring and busy for God, right? Because the rewards, there is rewards and crowns for individuals. Now, you can go to heaven just as you are, right? The gospel, right? You could go to heaven and all these things, but you're going to stand before God and the books are going to be open and and the works and everything we're going to, you know, everything that's gone through in life, uh, good or bad and all this stuff. You've already been vindicated and stuff. You know what I'm saying? It could be kind of a lonely road, man, if you get up there, you know, and you're kind of like, uh, you know, uh, you're, you're saved and I'm here. And then you're seeing, you know, all these rewards and all this stuff that God was trying to get you to understand that this is a race. And in a race, there's a friendly competition, Right. I want to win the race. No offense to you. I love you. I'll never leave a man behind. I'm going to bring you with me, but I'm gonna run with you because I'm after those rewards, man. And this is why he says, drop your nets. Follow me. I will make you fishers of men. What happens when you go fish and you go with individuals? Right. You already subconsciously know I need to be quiet. There's those individuals over there. I'm about to. I'm about to catch more fish. Watch this. I'm about to catch more fish. How come we can be childlike doing those things, but we can't be childlike when we're running the race and with, our, with me and Mike. Hey, Mike, man, you know what I'm saying? Not because I'm earning anything, but a friendly competition, pushing each other, stirring each other. And then this kingdom of God is being built through us because we have a passion and a childlike faith. And your rewards. We we just
0: have a good time. When we go out (laughs) preaching, uh, (laughs) I I told my wife, I said, this is my job. The works, like this podcast and the videos on TikTok, they're exhausting because I'm talking to a phone. I get nothing back from that. I Mm -hmm. love going out. To me, going out with Justin is my Christian version of the bar night, right? Like you (laughs) might once a week go out and have some beers (laughs) with somebody. I want to go out and preach the word with Justin, right? That's That's my that's my free time. I like that. I love that. Um, and like you said, I like, how, I like how you put that actually about how we would be on a fish, a fishing boat. Cause amen. God, why wouldn't, you know, God want us to be working and having fun with him. Cause we are his fellow workmen. It says it in uh first Corinthians chapter three, it says that you'll receive your wage based on what you do. And it's not about salvation. It's about, you know, what, what one man works and whatnot, he'll reap mm-hmm. what he does. And then it also talks about how you are his fellow workers right? And Ephesians 2, everybody reads 8 and 9. For some reason, I don't know why people love to skip verse 10. Maybe we should just read it on air real quick because <laughs> you would think Ephesians was just one uh, one page and two yeah. sentences on it. But no, it's actually an entire book. And it the line everybody hears, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God not a result of works so that no one may boast stop there you're right you've been saved you can't boast mm-hmm. in that for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them let's go enjoy it though it doesn't people make christianity sound like it's it's this terrible thing and therefore, people are like, well, that's boring. I don't want to be a Christian. It's not what do you it's like you, it's almost like some Christians admit that sin is fun still in their head because they think that I can't have fun. Like, But once you really know Jesus, the fun is in the Bible. It's in Christianity. It's with your brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't need to go get drunk. I'm not missing out on fun. That's not fun. I'm glad the Lord took that immature way out of my life. He didn't take fun from me. And I feel like sometimes in today's society, that's what people believe on the outside looking in. And some Christians allow that nonsense because we act like it like, oh, yeah, you know, back in my old days. Like, I don't like old me. I hate the old me. I despise the old me.
1: Well, you know, I can relate, man. I remember I remember that feeling, man. Um, And like I said, I didn't do a lot of the church when I was younger uh, for several reasons. But when I did go to church, man, there was a time in my life. That I I it felt like an obligation. It, it wasn't me wanting to be there, it felt like an obligation because sometimes we want to go along with the crowd. This is why I believe that individuals in church, when there's false conversion happening, they're doing it for the wrong things and not the right reasons. Um but my identity that is found in Christ and and and, and what I have found in him, and you always hear this from individuals, man, this man, Justin. I got this passion, man. I I don't know how to explain it, man. It's just one day this light bulb clicked on. You know, I used to listen to my pastor preach a sermon to me and then I would never go home and read my Bible. And then one day, and I I call it regeneration. So you're coming from death to life. The spirit is, he's quickening you. And he's like, man, it just changed. And I, 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 I had this desire, man. And I actually sit down and read my word. I can't get enough of it. And then I've noticed now that things started to change in my life and my desires are passing away. And all these these things that I used to wanna do, I have no desire because I'm so focused in here, the devil has fleed and I'm just busy in the Lord. And then I always tell individuals when, when I try to get individuals to understand that we don't look like the world, but that doesn't mean that we can't have fun, right? But what is fun to you? What is the definition of fun to you? What does that mean to you? Because I always tell individuals when we go out in public, As Christians, we need to represent Christ, you know, even if you're struggling with a few things that are going on in your life, you know, we're working on that, we're, 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 we're we're asking God to forgive us, it's, we already have forgiveness, but when we deal with those things, it's just being transparent. I mean, God already knows, but I'm going to be transparent. It's being honest. So you, you might be dealing with some things in your house still. We're being perfected. We're not perfect, but we're being perfected. But when we go out in public, man, it's very important, man, if we're going to represent Christ and it says bad company corrupts good morals. So if you think about the people that you used to 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 hang out with and stuff, when you were doing the things you were practicing, they were giving you vo- validity, And confirmation and telling you that that was your identity. Like I used to be a drug addict. So I hung out with drug addicts and my family would kick me when I was down and say, that's your identity. That's all you're going to ever be. And when you hear that, you believe that. And I said, well, then what's the use? Bitterness, all this stuff sprung up. And then I was looking for that void. So I used drugs. But when you find that identity in Christ and you leave those people and you get with like-minded believers, then you have a different type of fun. You have a Jesus fun that the world will never comprehend until they get set free. And this is why there's, you know, sadly, there's a lot of false conversion in the church. They go for the wrong reasons and they don't go for the relationship that you're supposed to be seeking of why you walk into those buildings. So I have so much joy with my brothers, my sisters, Mike, when me and Mike go out, we always sit down, break bread, we fellowship, we eat dinner, and then we go out and preach. We go back, we hug, we pray, people join us. It's, it's fellowshipping, it's breaking bread. It's, it's amazing, man. I'm, 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 I'm very thankful where I'm at as, as, uh, almost a 40 year old. I'm very thankful. And, uh, for all my brothers and sisters, I'm having the more fun that I ever had in my entire life. And I, I always tell my wife, man, I kind of wish I would have started earlier.
0: <laughs> don't we you all? know what I
1: mean? I wish I would have started earlier. <laughs>
0: so I know I don't normally take questions during the middle of the podcast, but someone asked this and it went hand in hand with what you already have been talking about. Uh, uh, Steven said, why do so many Christians have a problem with once saved, always saved? And I think the answer is in kind of what Justin kind of talked about. Um, not right now, but a little bit ago. And, and I'll tell you, I'll sum it up this way. It's because in order to accept once saved, always saved is to accept that people who aren't as good as you, that fail worse than you are going to get the same reward as you. And that's hard for some people naturally want to feel like they're earning something. They look at others and think like, I'm doing better than this person. We, we compare ourselves to others. We naturally do it. And the same thing applies in Christianity, because in order for me to agree in once saved, always saved. Then that must mean even though I'm running my course, because I'm running my course. I'm out here preaching in the streets. I'm doing, you know, Bible studies. I'm I'm trying to reach people. The person who will never share the gospel with a single person who fails every day, who falls in sin, keeps their eyes set on Christ, they're going to stand next to me in front of Jesus on the same merit as me. All those extra things that, you know, uh Justin talked about, that's rewards in heaven mean nothing. Nothing. Yeah. I have to be willing to admit. That I'm not, because here's the thing, people that, uh, they don't understand this, but anyone who believes you can lose your salvation is saying that out of arrogance, because that means they don't think they've lost theirs yet.
1: And I we're doing, love,
0: I would love for a person who says that you can lose it to tell me how many times they've lost it. And if they've told me they've never lost it, you've had it for how long, longer than a day you had it for a year. You've had it for five. You haven't lost it yet. You didn't have to go back and get it again. Holy as thou. you've lo- I, If I can lose my salvation, I lost it. I lose it every day. I have to come back to the cross every day. I would have to be born yeah. again every day. That's everything. Yeah
1: and, yeah, and if, if if that's the case, man, we're all doomed. Um, We're all doomed because you if, if you...
0: Salvation, no one's in heaven except Elijah, Enoch, and the thief on the cross.
1: Yeah, because I always tell, too, if you can lose it, man, if you can be unborn, once you are born of the Spirit... So basically, you're you're reborn of the spirit, but you're unborn back into the flesh. So you, if that's the case, then you have to tell me what sin did you commit? How do you know you lost it? And then how exactly do you know that you got it back? I mean, that's that's a fearful state to fall in. And I'll tell you what, man. I always tell individuals, man, I'm glad that Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do with me because when my true journey started in 2009 from all the drugs and everything that I went into and the homelessness and selling drugs on the streets. And I've been a believer of Christ my whole life. And as I just stated, I really didn't do the church thing, but nonetheless, he found me in my mess. But when I got out of jail and stuff, I relapsed several times. I almost died five times. And for some reason, man, Jesus was still there. And he walked me all the way through that. Just like he said he would. What an interesting thing. And I'm here today with When I was in all those things, I said, man, how am I ever going to come out of those things? Well, you know, Jesus did do what he said he was going to do because a prodigal son remains in the house. But a prodigal son leaves the house from time to time. And this is why you need to understand when you are reborn of the father's seed, the spirit. That's why you're called a prodigal son. You're in the house. You're in the house. And this is why I tell individuals just because you see individuals right now that are professing that they're angry with God. We all do that. When we get angry, we have all lashed out. Don't assume that they lost salvation. Don't assume that by appearance and what individuals are saying, because I've seen many individuals like that come back to God, many individuals. That's why it says, don't judge by appearance because you can't see what's going on in here. And sometimes things happen in our life that make people angry. I've seen people come back to the Lord that lost children. Like we have lost children or lost a child and Hannah's cancer that walked away from God to message me, angry, hating God, saying they don't believe in God, and saying, Justin, those strong convictions that you got, those strong convictions that you got, praise Jesus, because you and what I've seen in your convictions has brought me back to the Lord, has brought me back to the Lord. But there's a time that they're saying that they hated God because of the loss of their child. So don't assume just by what an individual is saying out of bitterness and anger in the moment. That doesn't mean that they're not saved in the moment. There may be something going on that God is doing. So be patient, be patient, show some mercy, be gentle, be kind, and keep keep, keep being that light to them, man. I'm telling you, God's ways are higher than ours, y'all, and it's a father. It's a father's love, and it goes deeper than our finite minds uh, can even comprehend.
0: At the end of the day, if you think about it, like you said, no one knows – If you lost it, if you got it back, how that works. So at the end of the day, the only time you will know 100% without a shadow of a doubt from his lips, if you're saved or not, is on that day. And from that point on, it's eternal. So yes, it's once saved, always saved. Because up until that point, if I get there and I'm not saved, it doesn't matter what was happening before that. If I was saved. No, you weren't saved for a little point. If you got there and you're unsaved, you're unsaved. (laughs) It's eternal. It's locked in. And if you got there and you're saved then you're, it's eternal. So how about this, everybody, instead of worrying about, can I lose it or not get there? And when you stand before him, have your eyes set on him still like, that's what matters. If you stand before him as his child, then you're saved. If you stand before him, separated from him, then you, you, you are separated from him. People worry more about today. And then like yesterday and tomorrow, rather than just focusing on heavenly things, focus on Christ with uh, Great segue yeah. right back to what he said. Oh, did he yeah. say that in the chapter before this? Oh, I'm still in Ephesians. You're
1: in Ephesians,
0: bro. I don't even know how.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Said Christ, seek heavenly things, people. Put to death. Wait. Yes. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, co- and covetousness, which is idolatry. Notice that covetousness is idolatry. Let's Mm -hmm. go ahead and make the screens real big so you can look at me and Justin in the eyes for this one. (laughs) Think about covetousness for a second. I see Justin with something and I really want it. and, And to be coveting it means I'm like, I want it so bad that I'm thinking about ways that I can get it from him or what I would have to do to get one. That means you're looking at that the way you should be looking at God. Because I should be looking at God saying, I really want that. That's what I want. That's what I need. That's my everything. But when my eyes go off of Jesus, because if you have Jesus, you have everything. How can you covet after having Jesus? Before Jesus, I can maybe understand it a little bit. You're coveting because you're seeking something. But if you have Christ, how can you covet? What does anybody have that's more important than what you already have? And I love that Paul points out that covetousness is idolatry. And then he says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming because these things exist in the world. And on account of that, that's what God's wrath is coming for. Not for you. It's coming for that. Sounded like you wanted to say something.
1: Yeah. And and, uh, I'm talking about this, man, because this this can get off on a a bad road too when you covet something. So just a a reference. I'll kind of use this a lot of times. Individuals that might covet a woman. And ultimately, when you have odds for that woman or another individual's woman or something, it breeds something and then you sit and meditate on it. And then ultimately something happens or wanting other things that says be content in all situations, give thanks in all situations for the things that you do have. So if you're if your mind like we just talked about, set your mind on heavenly things So it says If you sow What does it say uh, Reap in the spirit Or sow in the spirit You will reap in the spirit Sow in the flesh You will reap in the flesh Or sow in the flesh You will reap this destruction And so it's kind of like Where are you putting Your desires into right So if you're putting them Into the spirit You're going to reap in the spirit If you're putting them Into the flesh And sowing into the flesh You're going to reap in the flesh And you're going to reap destruction So when your minds are Solely on your bridegroom Right You only have eyes for him <laughs> you only have eyes for him. You're seeking heavenly things. He's adding unto you. And this is where the, 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 the relationship goes hand in hand and stuff. So it's, it's, it's a uh, pretty amazing stuff when you start hey, to understand
0: real quick, explain why Jesus is the bridegroom. I need to be off camera for a minute. So uh, that'll give you a second to talk. Cause I know some people have asked me recently, why is Jesus the bridegroom?
1: Okay, absolutely. So Jesus is the bridegroom. So, in the Old Testament, and I'm not, I'm not going to get into all the scripture and stuff, it referenced uh, Israel. A covenant is a contract or a marriage, ultimately, or a vow, right? So, like me and my wife, are, we're married, right? We have a vow. We have a commitment to one another. And in the Bible, it talks about in references to how a divorce happens or how an individual can divorce. And it talks about a, adultery, Those would be stipulations and grounds for a individual to divorce or breaking a vow, a covenant, a contract between two individuals and all this stuff. So in the Old Testament, if you read in Isaiah and Ezekiel and all these things, it referenced Jerusalem, um, the the mother, uh, it, it called her the mother of the harlots because she defiled her bed. She committed adulterous acts basically with the world and everything that they were doing with the world. So because of that, Christ, the redeemer was coming. The redeemer was coming. that was going to marry another woman or the bride or the ecclesia. So he was going to be able to remarry in a new covenant, a new contract, which was his church. So The whole reference point of Israel pointing to the Messiah was the bloodline, which was Christ. And getting into the references of how they kept the bloodline pure and all these things, and then the tribes and all these things, and then the nation, and then through that seed, we're seeing the Redeemer, Christ, the bridegroom. And then it talks about in the book of Revelation, uh, the bride comes out of heaven adorned, ready for her husband or her, her, her bridegroom. And this is why it references uh, in, in Matthew, when it talks about the wedding supper of the lamb. And if you read in there, it talks about the father and it's referencing a Jewish wedding. Notice it's always going to the wedding and stuff. So it's referencing a Jewish wedding, but it talks about the father prepared a wedding for his son and sent out his servants to invite people into the wedding to invite them into the wedding. Well, what he's describing right there is what's happening in Acts chapter two, Acts chapter two, when they're being sent out and they're being persecuted and all these things, they're inviting people to the wedding supper of the lamb so that the bride can be married to the bridegroom, right? And this is the church. This is the everlasting covenant. These are the individuals born of the Father's seed and they're being betrothed to the son in a new covenant a new contract, a new vow that you are making between the Son that is reconciling you to the Father. So he's like Jacob's ladder, right? Jacob's ladder is the bridge. <laughs> angels descending. Jacob saw the the, the the, ladder. And then Christ says, angels descend and ascend upon the Son of Man. So you're coming back into a new covenant because the old woman, the old woman defiled her bed and he remarried. The new woman, which is the bride of Christ, which is the church. I hope I explained that simple, because I, I could have went deeper, but I just I wanted love it. to. Yeah, love you it. Can you see if they understand what I'm saying? Because I can't see the comment. Yeah, no, they're
0: extremely thankful, actually, and um, I love it because it's interesting. Because you see so much of what Jesus says, um, and obviously in Hebrews, I heard you quote that about how the uh, the the original one of the members of the original covenant has to die in order for the covenant to end, but yeah. also. Not just that. Remember, Jesus said um, that anyone who uh, divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, yeah. uh, is an adulterer, right? But God, God has the right to divorce us, and not us, Israel, because they were. Maybe they're the whores. They constantly yeah. point at it. So it is interesting to look at it as on, as in heaven, as on earth. In heaven, the only way to end a covenant is by adultery or uh, 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 death obviously and yeah. then in the new, in the, in, on earth, we're given that permission as well. Like, well, that's a reason we'll allow you to end the covenant as well. Um, so it is, it's so interesting. I I, I wanted you to hit yeah. on that because I needed to get off camera.
1: Yeah. Um, Mike, uh, you, and- you said that you said that too, man, the death of a tester, but also a defilement of the woman, right? So we see the adulterous woman committing adulterous acts. She broke covenant. And then you also see the death of a tester, which was Christ. And then you see this new covenant where Christ is dying, shedding his blood and he's remarrying his ecclesia, his bride, and he's coming into union and he's reconciling man back to the father because the path went crooked.
0: And what's beautiful. is, It's awesome. We get into what Jesus also said, what God brings together, let no man separate. Yeah. Once saved, always saved, right? The the spirit has become embodied in us just as the spirit was embodied in Christ's flesh, which made them. I, I love the point at this, and this is something I talked to JD off air about. I don't think I've actually made a video about this, but um, the hypostatic union between uh, uh, flesh and God went, that made Christ, right? Fully man, fully God. Uh, I wonder if that's also an image of what we are now, not not God and man, but what I mean is his Lord. Holy Spirit formed with ours. Because as we know, Christ will always be the God man now. Paul calls him the God, the man, God. no, the God man. He is, will always be fully God, fully man. Because what God has brought together, no man can separate. That will. Ne- He's never going to break off from that flesh, right? Likewise, yeah. when the Holy Spirit is in you, it's not that you can now lose that. It is fully embodied in you. And you are fully you, but fully in Christ. Right. So just something that I was was looking at
1: that way. Yeah. And you brought up a good point. What God has joined together, let no man separate. So Mike brought up a good point. That's why he says nobody comes to the father unless he draws him first and foremost. So he has to draw you. And then he says any sheep that is in my hand will not be lost. Nobody can snatch them and I will not lose one sheep. So you can't even come to the father unless you are drawn. You can't come to the father unless you're drawn. Then Jesus is telling you you're being drawn by the father. Nobody's going to snatch you out of my hand and I will not lose any of the sheep. This is why Jesus left the 99 to go find that one sheep that was referencing the prodigal son leaving and coming home. What God has joined, let no man separate. And they're not going to be able to separate it because that seal of promise if you ever seen a seal or the way that the kings would seal it and signify and send it out, signed and delivered, it's airtight. This is why also we get into the reference of born-again believers can't be demon-possessed, but that's another story. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's a whole other story. And man, I tell you right now, if this was the episode about it, I came across a video today that was all about Gnosticism. Some chick trying to say that uh, uh, Satan actually created flesh. So, flesh is the mark of the beast. Wait, don't, wait, I don't wait. Started. I'm no, sorry.
1: no, wait, 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 hold on. Her name's Ashley, right? Her saying says the image of the beast is the flesh. Oh my God.
0: Is that the narcissism you said you've been dealing with? Yeah. That's, that's
1: the serpent scene doctrine. That's her. And good luck with her because you ain't going to get through to her, bro. Oh,
0: I'm, not, I'm not even touching that with a 10 foot pole, bro. No. I saw that and I just said, no, nah, I don't. I feel like it's disrespectful to the amount of study I put in to even have the argument. No. Because here's the thing. uh, I saw a part of the video that said we were made in in Satan's image, not not God's image. But first of all, we just read it in this book that shows that we're his image in James 3. It says that with your mouth, you curse people. No, you honor God and then curse the very people made in his likeness. Like, wait
1: here. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off here. Here's this is the problem with. Individuals not understanding the concordances And how they actually work And she doesn't understand the concordance So what she believes is in Genesis 1 When it's talking about Elohim yeah, And then Genesis God. She believes that's angels Now you got to think about the logic of this too And and that's why I said Elohim is used for uh, Several things We're not getting into that You This is why you have to take the concordance When you're breaking down a word Break the word down Because it may have a different meaning somewhere yeah, it's else it's
0: about the grammar. i mean it's about grammar you, also you yes understand how it's being used
1: yes and you have to exactly understanding how it's being used and what in context and the way that it's being used now let's think about the logic here so if the flesh is the serpent seed right the flesh is the serpent seed and what she'll say is well flesh and blood cannot inherit eternal life well no of course we're going to go back to the ground and die so basically she would have to make this fit then she would have to say that jesus came in the serpent seed flesh because the flesh is the serpent that's basically what she's saying and that is blasphemous and angels can't create anything when it says we are made in the image of god when we are made in the image of god we are the representations of of God on earth to have dominion over everything on the earth and to be representations and this is why he also talks about why it's so important for the family unit and the sacredty of the family unit and stuff so yeah man don't don't even engage her we've tried to engage that girl you ain't getting through bro <laughs> I, won't, I
0: won't let's go back into this we finish out this uh this portion before we run out of time it says um in these so you also must forgive and above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That's that's just I
1: mean, I, that's basically
0: everything Justin said at the beginning of his intro when he first came in here.
1: Yeah, Mike, let me add to that, too. I, I listened to something today in reference and I'm not going to go into a long spiel because I know you want to get through this about forgiving other individuals. Now, in the Bible, it talks about if you don't forgive individuals, you won't be forgiven. And a lot of people take that passage is wrong. It's not saying like, okay, if you don't forgive this individual, you're not going to have no forgiveness. You're not going to heaven. It's saying because you have forgiveness because of Christ or what Christ has done for you, you're able to forgive individuals. It's it's not the other way around. And a lot of people have a hard time with this. Um And why I brought it up is because they're still bitter about a lot of things. They're working on a lot of things and then they have fear because they're having a hard time forgiving individuals at the moment in their walk. We need to help them understand too, that forgiveness, we we exemplify forgiveness when we understand that we have forgiveness because of Christ and we're able to do that. So I I want you guys to be careful when you're using those things because there are individuals that are still real bitter and they're trying, but if they hear that, uh, it causes a lot of fear for them. Just point them. Whoop. Forgive uh, individuals. I just want to state that because you came across that. You also must forgive. I, I. It just came to my mind, man. But go ahead. Continue.
0: Amen. Amen. And above. Oh, I said that. Um, and let the peace of ooh, this. This next part. I want you all to uh, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Seriously, reflect on this and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Don't let the world stress rule in your hearts the conspiracy theories rule in your hearts. what shape is the earth rule in your hearts? what is what 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 name must we call upon rule in your hearts? Uh, uh, is it Yeshua or Jesus rule in your hearts? Let his peace rule in your hearts and to which indeed you were called there's that word called Justin mentioned it he called you Everything you do in word or deed, before you write that comment next time, next live stream y'all go to, because I know this ain't the last one you might be in, before you say that hateful (laughs) thing, before you say that disgusting thing to that fellow Christian who's just saying things he shouldn't be saying, do it as if you're doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Before you speak to somebody in word and in deed same thing with your deed christians christians that love to be like "Oh, i hate my job and a job like you're you do everything as if you're doing it for the lord just focus on the lord in everything you do be great at everything you do for him not for anybody else i don't care if you have a crap boss i don't care if you have a terrible boss terrible leader terrible father terrible whatever like do it as if it's for the lord
1: Yeah. And I always tell individuals, if you stop looking so much at yourself and understand that there's always probably a worse situation going on with another individual that tends to help sometimes. And I'm going to tell you what, man, uh, everything that we've gone through recently with our daughter, uh, just to give you. And, and like I said, I know there's other individuals that have gone through worse things, but just specifically what we have dealt with, with my daughter and her cancer and, and and loss of Isaiah. If I can take my eyes off of that, out of that thorn and look at Christ and see what he's doing with it and what he's going to do with it and able to use it to minister to an individual, because it's always about the other individual, because I got peace, man. I, I think that we forget you know how much this flesh wars, but God's grace is sufficient. Glorify him that you wake up every day. You're healthy that you got food in your refrigerator, that you got a beat up old car that you can drive to the store. I remember a lot of people that were complaining about gas prices. (laughs) Yeah, that stung a little bit, but you were able to put gas while you were complaining about the gas prices. We were complaining about all those things. You were sticking the gas into your gas pump and you were pumping gas in while another individual doesn't even have a vehicle or can go to work or maybe their car is broke down. I think in life, When we forget all the things that we have been blessed with, with God's grace and what we have to sustain us, which is fine with me, I'll work hard and I always have what I need. I always do and I always will. And then I'll be able to help people when we understand that, man, it starts to put uh, things into perspective. And I promise you, there's always another individual out there that's going through something a little bit worse than we are sometimes.
0: Amen. And that's why we're told to be thankful in everything. Don't be don't don't sit there and stress about what you don't have because you don't realize how much we especially in our country, Americans. Listen to me very clearly. You better not be not complaining about not nothing. I know I said <laughs> a bunch of knots in there, but I had to get it out. Not there. never
1: not nothing. Not, not
0: never not <laughs> never complain about not nothing. Because, let's be very honest. We live in a country where we complain about gas prices, but we can do whatever we want every day. Like if I want a cheeseburger tomorrow, I can have a cheeseburger. If I want sushi tomorrow, I can have sushi. If I want a uh, 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 Thai food tomorrow, I can have it is people. I think I told y'all this before, but bought jelly, dirt, no. cookies. dirt cookies. I want to say that one with that they eat dirt cookies. <laughs> like People complained about gas prices on their way to Starbucks to get an $8 coffee, but that's the society we live in. You know, yeah. we got a, uh, we got some serious issues. Um,
1: well, Hey, but, Hey bro. You can I mean, you can always offer them that, you know, if, if it's so bad, man, they got it so bad they want to complain. You can give them something to complain about. Maybe we can call up the government and see if they can get them on a jet and fly them over to China and and maybe Afghanistan and, and Africa where all these persecutions are happening. And then we'll see if they want to come back to America. Stop complaining a little bit. You know what I'm saying?
0: North Korea Hiding underground.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: attacked yeah. on street. all right here's the best part of it all women here you go wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the lord Ah, i'm just playing well no i'm not but what there's more husbands love your wives and do (laughs) not be harsh with them children obey your parents in everything for this pleases the lord fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged Bondservants servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Uh, FYI, I know that a lot of people want to look at bond servants and they want to think about slavery, right? But can we, can we be very honest? The closest analogy to those bond servants of those days, though, is most of you working a normal job. Yeah. you work working at McDonald's. You basically have the same life that a bond servant had. You are uh, uh, enslaved to the need that they provide for you, which is which is just enough for survival to keep you coming back. So it's sitting here saying, same thing, for you guys working that minimum wage job, not by way of eye service, but as, as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. I, He just repeated what he said a minute ago. He said, do everything you do, whether it's deed or word, as if it's for the Lord. Then he goes back and says it again. Whatever you do when you're working, work heartily as for the Lord. And then he says, you are serving the Lord Christ. Everything you do, you are serving the Lord Christ. And then it says, for the wrongdoers will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. The reason he's saying this is because it's real easy as Christians for us to go, man, nah, man, I'm not about to serve that be, you know, be all uh, what, you know, this great worker for this guy. He's a terrible person. He's disrespectful. And back then the bond servant getting treated terribly. Peter talks about this. He said, what does it glorify God if you get punished? for being disobedient. If you sin and get punished, that doesn't glorify God. But if you are uh, a hard worker, you, sh- you do nothing wrong and they still treat you incorrectly. It is pouring coals on their head. It glorifies God because you trust God to be the one to defend his name. He don't need anybody to defend his name. You just be loving, you be
1: yeah. kind. And the hardest time to respond to. i mean <laughs> the easiest time to respond is when everybody's being nice to us right i mean that's the easiest time it's the hardest for us of responding properly when it's somebody hostile towards us or somebody we don't like that's when it's a true test of your servitude toward man and I always tell individual if they're nasty to you or they're intentionally doing that to you glorify christ treat them with love and glorify christ and you know, that's what we're called to do, man. We're, we're called to turn the other cheek, man. And, you know, I, I know there comes a line, you know, overstepping the boundary. I'm not talking about like letting somebody beat you up or come into your house and do all those things. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about if you like Mike said, if you're dealing with a boss that is just nasty and heinous to you, uh, patience is key. Love is key. And let's see if we can express it in those hard times and just look up to the father and glorify him and get better and better and better and then maybe they can learn something from you amen amen so.
0: that's, that's that's really what it is and and that's the main thing i think that we've been trying to preach in our pages on all of our pages jd included and really it's been about walking in love and representing christ in everything you do in everything you do because we have no problem thinking like well this person's bad so i have to be hard with them, and then we hide behind love. We try and act like, well, I am being loving by correcting them. Love is correction, that is true, but it also has gentleness in it. What's the intent of the heart? Are you correcting them so you could just be like, look at me, I corrected them? Or are you trying to actually guide them into what is the truth? You're trying to guide them to the light. And that's the question that, that needs to be asked for inside, internally, for yourself. Before you go and uh, heretic
1: hunting, I don't, I don't, bro. I'm just gonna be honest with you, and I, I, I think there's been a time we've all gotten wrapped up in it. But basically, man, I, I see a few. There's some people that you know they do it the right way, but. Probably 80% of the people that that talking about, I'm just trying to, I'm just, I'm just speaking truth and all this stif- stuff because they use this cloak of righteousness to do evil, to shame individuals. And God knows the intent of your heart. So it doesn't matter what you tell us. It doesn't matter if you say, well, I, I do love them. I'm doing all this stuff because people do a lot of things with the Bible and 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 hide behind the Bible. And I'm just doing this to to treat people however they want. And like I said, ultimately, you ain't got nothing to prove to me. That's why it says pay attention to the fruits and not what comes out of the mouth. The actions speak louder than words. So all I see on TikTok is individuals and a lot of individuals that are just trying to shame individuals. I'm going to go ahead and say this. Their their exegeting of the scripture (laughs) is not very good at all. And they actually made themselves look more foolish. And sometimes I'm like, Oh my gosh. But stay away from the comment section. Don't join in because these individuals want you to heart it and be like, yeah, you really got them. And when we join in the things, even though we're not the one that did it, you're just as much at fault because you're condoning the actions of the way the other individual, we got to get away from that. We got to stand for what is right and go against what is wrong. So like Mike said, come you and I let's reason to the scriptures you, you and I, and until individuals can remove the bias And admit that you don't know everything. You're going to have some problems. Because tomorrow. uh, I'm going to learn something I didn't know today. And today I made several mistakes. That I go back and fix. And get better at tomorrow of not making. So let's let's love individuals. You're supposed to have the love of Christ in you.
0: Yeah and you shouldn't. And and remember this. If God hates sin. You shouldn't want to be responsible for somebody sinning. And what I mean by that is. There's a reason why I do block people so easily. Not just because I don't have time for it, but at the same time, I don't want to be the reason why you're sinning against God. You're just sitting there screaming the atheists, right? I'm about them. Like, I'm about to be the, the target as you blaspheme God. I'm going to just uh, pull myself up out of this situation. But as if you're one of those Christians that tries to play the humble, passive-aggressive, uh, yeah. you know, are you trying to cause somebody to step into sin? Yeah. If you're not. Provoking love, you're not provoking that fire to be burnt, uh, uh, like like Justin said when he first came in here, stirring up fire, instead, you're stirring up uh, arguments and stirring up division. So, don't do that, guys. Stay away from that, um, and yeah, focus absolutely. on the
1: game. Yep, but, uh, we know what the Bible says about sowing dissension discord galatians 5 19 through 21 backbiters gossipers slanderers, lovers of uh love those that love strife love transgression all these things you ain't supposed to do those things because those ain't got nothing to do with the fruits of the holy spirit that's why it says the works of the flesh are made manifest so we got we got to quit that so we got to we got to stop
0: <laughs> so i saw uh real quick before because we're going to be getting out of here in a moment earlier i saw a video someone said uh something uh, it's not my words, so I don't want to take them as mine. He said um, that idols can't defend themselves. That's why false religions and false gods are always uh, need to be defended so heavily by people. And he points back to when uh, the Baal statues get destroyed and they were like, let Baal defend him himself, right? And it made me think about how, one, how we have like Islam that's super violent, right? Because Allah is silent because he's not real. But it also made me think about false doctrines. Why uh, sometimes I feel like the falsest of doctrines get the most offensive because they're they're the only ones to defend it. It's almost like they know that their doctrine is indefensible and God's not going to defend that falsehood. Right. But when you know that you stand on the truth, you guys don't have to defend God's name. Like at the end of the day, you could defend your faith. But if someone Mm -hmm. is attacking God, he can handle himself. He don't need you. To step in there and become that person's target, let them put their eyes on God. God. God can handle that. He's a He's a big boy, He knows what he's doing, right? Yeah. And when we defend something, it's almost like we look at it as if it needs defense. Like, for example, if a dude that was three foot three was attacking Justin, I'm probably not gonna jump in to defend Justin because I probably don't feel like he needs to be defended, right? <laughs> so out of the fact that I just know he doesn't need to be defended. If I jump in, then he's probably like, dude, you, what did you do? I didn't need your help. Like, I'm kind of offended that you thought I needed that. Like, I'm good. But I'm using this example as the point as, like, God looking at you jump in is probably like, what are you doing? I, I don't I don't need you right now. I, I got this. I'm I'm good. You go sit down, son. Sometimes we just defend him too much with the Why? Like, My- you don't have to fight.
1: Yeah, let me chime in man. Uh you you made a good point because I think people are mixing up defending the faith and then just defending everything, right? Thinking they need to defend God. Let me let me give you a little quick simple thing on that. I don't care if Islam is teaching Islam. I'm not trying to go combat them, deal with them, debate them, let them preach Islam. I don't care if an atheist is doing atheist things and talking about this, 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 and this and this, and then people want to tag me to come defend this and all this stuff. That's not me going to do that's not defending the faith. I, I gotta go defend God. Nah, what I'm talking about is simple understanding of defending the faith is so if somebody's making a video saying Jesus is Lucifer, that that's defending the faith. That would be something that you would want to combat because they're specifically targeting the bible and and attacking certain things that's what you would want to stitch and defend but just because islam is preaching islam and bragging about their religion spreading that okay go on with your bad self jesus finished it he rose muhammad's in the grave god's gonna sort it out and our christianity he said you will be hated for my name's sake and it's a small small few so go on and brag about your islam and all this stuff because there's no power in that you know, once saying? you do your correction,
0: that's it. You shouldn't have to keep going back. Yeah. So if, like in his example, someone makes a video about Lucifer being said, Jesus, if you defend the fact and you lay out the biblical evidence, yeah. you don't need to go back and forth 37 times after the, the Bible says, after the second admonition, it's over, right? That, that, Just, I, admonish them,
1: keep dust moving. Dust your feet, dust your feet, take your peace and go on to the next, because at that point you're casting your pearl before the swan.
0: And it's pride because you're saying I can get through to <laughs> this person. I can, like no one else can, but it has to be me. I'm gonna be the one. Uh, and and they, they've denied God's word. They've denied uh, uh, everybody else's word, but I'm gonna get them through on this. And it's it's pride thinking you can do something. Let them go. Like for real, I go. see a lot of people that do this where you obsess over certain individuals on this app. And I'm not even I know that the, it's coincidental. I'm not even talking about the people who obsess with me in case anybody thinks that I'm trying to make like subtle corrections to people. No, this <laughs> is general. This is anybody that obsesses over anyone. Focus on the king. Like, seriously, what are you doing? Focus on Jesus. And maybe you won't be so uh, tossed to and fro. But um, that, if anybody has any last minute questions. we getting out of here soon. Well Friday said. Night uh i'm wondering what we're gonna eat friday what are we gonna eat friday that's saying we've had two places in a row but that second one chef's kiss bro
1: it was yeah good. bro uh man well we're gonna we're, we're we're gonna go down down to elm street or what is it elm deep elm is that where we're going we're going down there right
0: yeah something like that
1: yeah. Okay. Well, we got, uh, Jennifer, uh, who came out with us for the pride parade. He's going to come with us too. She's going to meet us down there. I'm going to come to your house, but food is food, bro. You've been picking out some pretty good places, man. I'll give you props for it. So find a place, man. We'll eat. We'll go out and preach. We'll do some night preaching, man. I've been looking forward to getting back out uh, with you. I really enjoy our time out there. And, and like I said, man, I wish you could have been with me in Kensington, Philadelphia, bro. I can't even stress to you, uh, Still, I'm still, e- even since I've been back, man, just that stuff that was born to my mind, it's hard to articulate what I saw exactly. And it's probably, you know, I there's been several cities, uh, you know, areas that we've gone in that people won't go. And you know, I'm, I'm called to do that. I'm an individual, I guess me growing up on the streets and around the things, Mike, you grew up on the streets. I'm, I'm just not fearful of it. Uh, I I don't know how to explain it. I could, I could die tonight when I went to bed. There's, there's really no fear when I go into these places. Um, so I understand I'm called to do stuff like that, but some of the things, man, uh, especially down there in Kensington, Philadelphia, uh, It'll do something on you. It, it, it kind of looked like, Mike, you're you you're, you're a, a soldier. Um, it's the closest thing of me not actually being in the battlefield, but to actually telling you here in our home fronts it, it looked like I was in a war zone. Oh, yeah, it's worse um, than a
0: war zone there. I'll be you know what I'm
1: saying? Uh, so, you know, you guys, I, I know people's going to do certain things, and I'm going to end with this, Mike, and uh, I appreciate you letting me be on. I look forward to Friday. I'm going to end with this, you guys. I know not everybody's called to go out into the streets. I, I pray that you're sharing your faith and you're you're getting strong and the courage to do these things. There are individuals in the body that that are called to do these things. And and I'll go into any of those places, but you see a world that is nothing like when we were growing up. And there's a lot of things that you don't see. That the TV doesn't want to show you. Now, if you want to talk about a lawless society, that's exactly what I saw in Kensington, Philadelphia. There were women down there with babies. There was women that I talked to that were going to be raped that night. There was missing children on signs that was probably amongst us, but you couldn't notice them because they were so emaciated. There was people passed out face forward, overdosing that we had to give Narcan to. The Drug dealers, I actually got a video of talking to 10 gangbangers that were standing outside the stash house rotating in and out um, and all sorts of things. And it looked like if you ever watched a video where it looks like people are suspended and they're moving slow in the air with some sort of technology like zombies. That's what it looked like down there. It was very eye popping. It, it it, you know, I, I grew up in the streets not to that, like that extent, but we sold drugs in the streets. You know, we did all those things. So I just want to tell you, man, it's really bad in these inner cities. Uh, it, it, it's getting worse. And and when you see something like that, uh, it, it really does something to you. So I want to keep encouraging you guys, man, if you guys, you know, I'm, I'm getting back out and traveling, going to be going to other states, getting back to what we did four years ago. Mike, me and Mike have been talking about this, hopefully you know, that he, we can do this together um, and come into your area. We would love to have you guys, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to touch on the, the voice of freedom, but everybody's seeing that movie. It's being brought to awareness. That's fine. But unless we actually are getting out and going to do something about it, it's just going to be another video where awareness was brought to the surface. And we all said, Ooh, that's horrible, but it can also do things to individuals. We got to be about, what we say we got to be the light and we're called to shine it into the darkness. So with that being said, everybody is welcome with us. This is not a competition. I want to see more. I love you guys, Mike. Thank you for allowing me. I figured, you know, you're up here by yourself tonight. You look a little tired. Maybe I could come up and spark, light a little spark under you. I enjoyed the live man. I enjoyed this tonight. So like I said, thank you, bro. You guys have a blessed night and Mike, I'm looking forward to seeing you Friday.
0: Yeah, we'll talk tomorrow, most definitely, on the phone and and get a good grasp of what's going on Friday. Uh, But with that, guys, I'm headed out as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll be over on TikTok for the little after show for a short period before I hop off and go to bed. Um, JD wasn't here, so I never said this. Make sure you subscribe and hit like and and do all that stuff. If you want to contribute to <laughs> the ministry, the funds are, I mean, the donation links are in there. And like Justin said, we want to do some stuff uh, outside of uh, where we're at. And obviously we're t- looking at different routes when it comes to ways to finance that, especially with the ministry growing. And now there's things coming in in different areas. Um, so we definitely will, even if we can't do it at the size we want to, we're coming mm. somewhere. That, that's yeah. happening. Um, whether even if, even if it's a Texas tour, we hit Houston. Oh, it's coming. Um, we're oh, it's to- coming.
1: um out there
0: and the goal is not for us to just we're not celebrities right we're not trying to come preach for you to witness it we want (laughs) to come bring it to people to where they learn how to do it so it'll be like four days five days or whatever and it's like for a couple days we go out and do it and you watch and then you do it with us and then the last day you do it on your own
1: yeah like
0: a four-day evangelism program for anybody interested or something like that like a weekend trip right where you but by the time we leave you're confident in doing it on your own and If everybody that wants to be a part of it in that city meets us, you just met your circle right there. Oh, you're here. You're here. You're here. We can all meet up together. Then me and Justin just slide on back. Maybe do like a Zoom call once a month to check in with everybody that's doing street preaching. There's big picture, big picture stuff in the head. Um, So make sure you guys stay tuned. I'll see you all on TikTok. Love you all. God bless. And as always, go in peace.
1: Peace.